Hello and welcome. My name's Pete Rushmer and I'm your host today of a Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners and professionals just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success or you're already smashing it but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. Just real, raw and frank conversations. My curiosity and impatience in seeking success has encouraged me to create a Half Dozen Things podcast. I designed it to bring you simplicity and discovery back to the forefront of your lives. We're all such busy people, it's easy to overlook the simple things we could be doing to achieve wealth, success and happiness. If you love today's podcast, please do share it, subscribe and let all your friends know how great the podcast is. Thank you. I'm so excited to be joined today by Fred Copestake. He's a consultant, trainer, coach, and an expert in helping sales professionals around the world to improve their performance and unleash their full potential. With his unique style and pragmatic approach, Fred has worked in more than 35 countries delivering projects that range from implementing a European academy for a leading beer brand, developing sales skills in the Middle East for global healthcare companies, and introducing account development and sales leadership models in Latin America and Europe for IT and engineering multinationals. Always focusing on the desired outcomes, Fred's approach sees him work with his clients to discover new and more powerful ways of how they can do business, build mutually beneficial relationships with their customers, and increase revenues. Fred has been taking lockdown to the extreme, and he's been writing a book called Selling Through Partnering Skills, We talk about it today. Fred's so expressive, you'll hear a little bit of scratching at the beginning of the recording, up until about five minutes when I point it out, and it's because he's actually drawing a picture of what he's talking about. Fred's an absolutely awesome guy, and I'm really pleased for him to be joining me on the show. So I really hope you enjoy it. Speak soon. Uh, Welcome, Fred. Thank you for joining me on A Half Dozen Things. How are you today? Yeah, good, thanks, Pete. Good uh, Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely brilliant to see you too. So I've run a uh, uh, bit of an introduction to you for the listeners uh, prior to uh, us having a conversation. And uh, yeah, really, really buzzing to have you here. And actually, I'm going to tell the guys how we first met. So you ran Consultative Sales Course. Was that the right title? A Consultative Sales Course when I was at uh, Volvo? Pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> and uh, introduced me to uh, the world of sales. And uh, and actually, to be fair, it was quite transformative. So hopefully that is... Um, uh, a bit of a big up to uh, to your sales training skills because actually it was a really really good experience and being my first sales training se- uh, session I uh, I was a little bit apprehensive about how it was going to be <laughs> and uh, it wasn't it wasn't what I expected so you dispelled the myth thread oh brilliant <laughs> but equally you had nothing to compare it to so <laughs> <laughs> true but I have been on sales training since <laughs> and I still refer back to uh, I still refer back to your notes even uh, Ada. I still remember Ada, uh, which good. was something that you you covered. Yeah, so yeah, no, it's uh, it's really good, really good. And oh, you've brilliant. got a new you've got a new book coming out soon. That's right. Yeah, we're sort of launching in 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 a month or so. Yeah, it's pretty pretty. It's it's, uh, it's creeping up on me. <laughs> well, just about ready, but uh, yeah, I certainly have. Yeah, brilliant. So, what? Um, tell me a bit more about the book and and sort of a bit more about what you do, and then we'll get into your six areas because we're going to be quite specific today about the six uh, or half dozen things um, because they're going to actually be segments from your from your book. So, if you could just give us a little bit of an intro on that, um, and then uh, and then we'll dig in and and sort of go into a bit more depth on those six partnering skills. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, as you alluded to there, the book is called Selling Through Partnering Skills and, uh, you know, hopefully does pretty much what it says on the tin. It is a sales book. You know, I'm a commercial sales trainer. Um, But one of the things I'm very aware about is being very current and and making sure that all the stuff that I'm doing is, is setting people up to do what they need to do in the best possible way. And if we look at sort of how sales has developed over time, we're at a point where sales is more collaborative than ever before. And so one of the things that that I can do to help people operate in a way that's consistent with that. 
Um, and so, yeah, the consultative selling that you talked about, value-based selling, a lot of the good stuff that already exists is relevant. Yeah. But but how can we just add this sort of extra sort of veneer to that or this sort of uh, refine the approach? For me, this is all about bringing partnering skills into play, which is why the book is all about selling through partnering skills. Got it. Okay, so for um, for the ignorant listener, um, could you just please explain what consultative selling is um, and then a bit about value-based selling as well because uh, I may have people listening who may not necessarily know what they are. Okay. Well, actually, if I step back even further, it might, might be easier um, because in the book I do sort of cover four nominally different ways of selling. They are all interconnected. And if you think on a sort of a, a scale of value and complexity with value being the value that you bring to the customer and almost by definition the value to yourself and the complexity is of how difficult the sale is so how many people are involved maybe what the solution actually ends up looking like at a more basic level we have what i call classic selling and classic selling it's all about ask before tell i think if anybody's not doing that they're not selling in my opinion they're, they're just doing something else completely repping or something like that but we need to ask before tell but as we become the sale becomes more valuable and, and more people are involved and the complexity starts to increase the way that people ask questions the way that they help the customer to understand what their issues their problems are that's where we need to be more consultative so that the type of questioning becomes a little bit more refined so consultative question some people will call this solution selling for me it's very much the same thing it's all about the quality of the questions that you ask so that you can really help people understand what their issues are the impacts that they might have and if we sort of continue to grow that that can take us into the next level of sales which is value-based selling so really understanding what's the level of value we can bring to them before the sort of the, the, the top end of sales if you like which and i refer to as, as enterprise selling in the book but equally we could call that strategic selling far more people involved more a team approach big ticket type things longer sales cycles um so the, the partnering skills that i talk about will help anybody operating at any of those levels as i say it brings a refinement it brings a veneer to the way in which they're doing what they need to do for their particular sale and there's no wrong or right really each person is going to be having to do what they need to do in their market I'm getting, I'm getting quite a bit of scratching, like, like a scratching noise. I don't know if it's you or me, but I've just tried muting me to test it. I'll cut this out, by the way, edit it okay. out. Um, okay. Do you know what that is? Have you got, have you got something? I might, I might have been drawing something, so I'll... <laughs> That's what it was. Sorry, okay. <laughs> what hey, are I'll you drawing? Show me. I'm, I'm, drawing, I'm drawing what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving it in. I'm leaving it in as okay. an outtake. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you've got to leave it in. Explain, though, that I'm a trainer and I yeah. can't talk without drawing. <laughs> but you're lucky I will. That I I'll do it in the intro. When I record the intro, I'll just tell him, I'll go, there's a little bit of scratching at the beginning. Fred's drawing a picture for us. <laughs> <laughs> Myself. <laughs> Look, you're lucky I'm not stood up. Use my flip chart behind. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I know you love a flip chart. And to be fair, actually, I've incorporated... I incorporated your style in the training that I do. Obviously, I don't do sales training, but I actually incorporated your style with the flip chart and I tear stuff off and I blue tack it up on the wall and stuff for people to refer back to. There you go. Very flattering, mate. No, I'm happy with that. Pure, cred- pure credibility <laughs> you, you, back to you there. You, you can leave this in. Part of partnering is about being authentic, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll try and cut down on the scratching, people. Uh, or the drawing, is it, maybe? pens. I'll swap yeah. pens. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you, you, nice explanation of uh, value-based selling there and, and consultative-based selling. So, and partnering skills just sort of takes that, uh, sort of develops that a bit further then. Yeah, so, so partnering skills can be used, as I say, at all levels of those sales. To be fair, partnering skills can be used in lots and lots of different things. And I'm sure some of your listeners are probably in more of a leadership role or something and are thinking, oh, well, where can I use this stuff? Or can I use this stuff? And, and absolutely you can. I've chosen to take it down the sales route because that's what I do. But yeah, it, it very much, it just sort of brings a sales ethos. It sort of helps develop a mindset that's far more conducive to selling in this more collaborative helpful way that we need to, to operate in 
um, to be successful these days. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, cool. So, and as part of that, we've got sort of different areas of partnering skills and um, they are trust, creating a win-win orientation, uh, self-disclosure and feedback, comfort with interdependence, comfort with change and future orientation. So they're all very, very interesting and I'm looking forward to sort of hearing a bit more about them. Tell me a bit more about, about trust, particularly initially, Fred. Yeah, so if I, if I just step back one slightly, so so if I refer to PQ, partnering skills, partnering intelligence, always I'm talking about the same thing. And in a way, if people just want to sort of understand this, people are probably reasonably comfortable with the concept of IQ or intelligence quotient of you know, how clever somebody is, which only measures certain stuff. More recently, people have started to focus on EQ or emotional intelligence which talks about understanding yours and, and others' feelings and how you can act act on that. PQ is almost like the the, the lesser known cousin, if you like, but you know, isn't just a isn't just a sort of fanciful concept I had. It's something that was very much researched and developed by a guy called Steve Dent uh, back in the sort of late eighties, early nineties, um, working with organisations that were partnering together and looking at you know what were the characteristics of the people involved, because organisations don't partner, people do. What, what were those characteristics that people had to be able to be successful partnering? And as you say, when you, when you list those things, so the ability to trust, that win-win focus, the comfort with interdependence, self-disclosure and feedback, comfort with change and a future orientation, any salesperson, so whether you're a partner manager, distributor manager, or a direct salesperson, I think they should be all over it. And, you know, go back to your question, so I'm a trainer. I don't always ask the question directly, do I? <laughs> About trust. I mean, trust is such an important element of professional of professional selling. It's, it's, it's an important element of any relationship. And so that's why that's the one that I, when working with this stuff, will tend to talk about first. It, it really is the foundation, if you like. All the other elements will, will, will help with that. And, and, and equally stem from it yeah definitely so trust trust such an important part of what we do and our, the, the, our conversation around partnering intelligence and pq is quite timely because i've just started to rebrand rebrand the business uh we we've sort of evolved a little bit over time and we now i've now decided to call us flagship partners and and that is actually about the approach of, of partnering because i think part of that consultative sales process that hinged with how i feel about what great customer service looks like because i think selling is is part of customer service and i think that delivering a great service then enables you to be able to sell and build relationships over time as well and create partnerships with people. And one of the things that I've learned sort of in, in my time since since I left corporate work and, and moved into being self-employed is that actually partnerships are so important, not just in sort of in my client base, but also with the other businesses around me and the way that we support each other and pass referrals as well. And ultimately, as you say, all of that, all of that hinges on their trust in me to be able to do a good job for them. But, you know, whether it's directly to a client or whether it's indirectly through someone that's referred me in to support them, trust, trust is such a massive element of that. It, it really is, you know, and it, it, it's the foundation for all communication. And so that that's where the healthy, productive relationships will come from. So there's, if, if you're, you're in the process of rebranding, Nice little, nice little bit of homework for you. Here, you can't take the trainer out of me. I can't help myself. Have a look at the trust equation. Yeah, trust use this equation. to just gauge how good you are at this trust thing. Because everyone okay. talks about it, everyone says it, but yeah. let's actually put our money where our mouth is and start to understand what it is. Okay. So okay. Get, I'm going to if Google that. I'm going to Google well, that in the background whilst you're telling me about win-win orientation. Well, no, I'll tell you about the trust equation. I can go oh, okay, through it pretty fine. quickly, you know. Okay, um, you're going to get the flip chart out. You're going to get the flip I'm, chart out. I could get the flip chart out, but it'll probably make too much noise. And if the scratching was bad, you don't want to hear my chair and, and the rest. But uh, the trust, if you imagine T equals C plus R plus I divided by S. Love an equation, but I don't so, understand I what that is. <laughs> right. So trust is about your credibility plus your reliability plus your intimacy divided by your self-orientation. So what we're saying here is that the credibility element is that 
whether you know your stuff or not, that's going to be a big part of trust. So if I'm thinking about working with you, I'm going to be thinking, well, does, does Pete actually know his stuff here? Or is he just kind of full of hot air? No, the guy's an expert. That's fine. Yeah. But that could be fine. You could know all this stuff. But if you don't have the R for reliability, which if you say you're going to do something, you do it. Again, that's going to have an adverse effect on the trust that, that, that we can we can start to build. The intimacy element is about whether I think I could give you valuable information and whether you are likely to sort of use that well or, you know, whether I can actually, <laughs> in many ways, know that you're going to care about that. So that's the C, the R and the I. And you say, well, yeah, you know, okay, that's, that's good. I'm great on all those things. I'm credible. I know my stuff. I'm reliable. Your information is safe with me. That's probably the easiest way to describe that. Underneath all that, though, is the S of self-orientation because you might be fantastic on those, but if ultimately you're doing it with only your best interests in heart, then that isn't as valuable as if you're saying, no, I do these things because I do genuinely care about others. And I, I want to do this stuff because I do want to work properly with them rather than actually that'll be a good stuff for me if i give that impression Fantastic. It's, it's, it's a nice little thing just to come back as a bit of a sense check and it's what i will often do with salespeople. but again it, it acts for leaders business owners whatever as to uh, do we actually stack up well on those elements yeah 100%. can be can be quite a tough little tester actually but you know it's a certain yeah. something that uh, you could be quite you could be quite savage on yourself really because I like to believe I know my stuff from a credit credibility point of view. I believe that I am reliable. If I say I'm going to be somewhere, somewhere I will be. But actually, when it comes to what was what was the third one? The uh, credibility, In, reliability, intimacy, intimacy. So, so that was the one I I struggled with. So that so when you said that, that resonated with me actually because I often I, I don't know if it's my personality type or what have you, but often I do think that I often struggle to I suppose peel back the onion or what have you one of the things is is that I do keep quite a professional relationship with people and actually different people will have different needs as far as that's concerned won't they yeah and again if you're sensitive to other people that that's kind of quite important from that point of view that yeah it's not all about being loving and you've got to absolutely sort of be so so close to everyone it's more about the safety it's more about the safety of information yeah you know, Am I am I comfortable giving you info that you that you Got need you. really to build that overall trust? Yeah. Well, I think you know, you know what I don't know what Pete's going to do with that. It's a bit yeah. sensitive. Got you. So it's about creating creating that. Might be talking about it all on his next his next podcast, <laughs> and it was actually quite private stuff. So yeah, that, that's what we mean by that. But with all, I love that. And so this this was um when you do Google it, you'll find it was actually by a guy called David Meister okay. and then some colleagues, Charles Green and, and Robert Galford, Harvard Business School people. So, you know, it's, it's <laughs> again, pr- pretty good little yeah. tool that, you know, we can be very self-reflective with and think, okay, yeah. well, I need to do something about it. Yeah, brilliant. Okay. And then, um, and then finally, obviously the, the one for all salespeople is, you know, our self-oriented, are we? Do we actually care? And that, that obviously builds trust is when we do care and demonstrate that we can actually and, and do care about the outcome that other people have. Absolutely, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do something for yourself. That's fine. But have you got others' intentions, others' best sort of interests at heart as well? Yeah, absolutely, um, which which leads us really nicely into a win-win orientation, right? It, it, it does. I mean, all this stuff's connected, you know, but the, the trust is that foundation piece. Mm-hmm. So the win-win orientation, you know, world of sales, um, we'll often talk about mutual benefit. Yep. Absolutely. You know, are both parties looking at getting something out of this? Yeah. Is there some reason for us to do that? And, that, and that's that's a big part of it. But what, what partnering skills is quite interesting with as well is it looks at how we deal with conflict. Because even with the best intent, and we both try to work this together, there might be a time that we disagree on something. Oh, I think we do it this way. You might think we do it that way. We've got to get over that. How do we deal with that? Yes, we've got to keep that end goal in mind. This is why we're in it together. But do we just argue? Does a person who's in the most powerful position get their way? Or do we look at it like adults and really sort of try to solve that problem and come out of those discussions potentially stronger for it? Because conflict resolutions actually can be quite a useful thing. So it's a win-win orientation and sort of having that having that focus but the way in which we want to go about that and and, and hold those discussions again it's another it's another key element which okay i'm using it for sales it will cut across so many different areas of business yeah absolutely and um 
that 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 resonated with me when you said about sort of the conflict element of sales because potentially there there will be a conflict element and um one of the things that I remember us discussing was about handling objections and, and how important that is to be able to handle objections skillfully. Um, are you able to just for give you a moment to have a little drink? Um, yeah. but could you just explain sort of the process for handling objections sort of at quite a high level um, that we that we discussed? Well, first is don't call it an objection. Sorry. <laughs> Look at me with my bad terminology. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm not messing. It's a serious point. Um, in the, the psychology of calling it an objection isn't helpful because yeah. what you're saying to yourself is the customer is pushing everything I've got to say back at me. Whereas actually, if you start to label that as a concern, yeah, yeah or, or something that they might be just missing a bit of interest, uh, sorry, not interest, missing a bit of information, around that's a far easier way to be able to deal with that so yeah. the psychology of objection handling is really important they're mm-hmm. not just dissing you completely it's something that i didn't quite get it yeah. or mm, i'm not quite sure about that mm-hmm. start playing that tape in your head and that starts to become easier in the way that you can then start to handle it and, and, and kind of another sort of the phrases we use is handle concern with concern yeah. so it's their concern but i've actually got to be concerned the fact that you didn't quite get that well, actually, it's probably my fault. I've not explained something well. I've missed something out of the proposal. I didn't really help you understand the issues properly that we're trying to deal with. And so rather than argue and go into an arm wrestle, I say, yes, but, Peter. Yeah. Well, yes, but you're going to get defensive, whether you're right or wrong. We're going to end up kind of sparring on that. It's using some kind of language pattern that we can just cushion what the response is. So I, I can't give what people what the response is, but I can tell them how they say it. So the first thing is to just keep calm. You know, they're not pushing back on you completely. They just probably didn't get something. Mm. Listen to what they actually said, because more often than not, we will kind of hear something, think, oh, I know where they're going with this. The people always say this. Actually, you might have said something different. And I need to hear what you've said to acknowledge what you've said. So I appreciate what you're saying. I understand why that's a concern. I recognize that that's something that's important to you. I can see why that will be something. Well, I accept that I probably should have. You're doing something just to cushion what it is that you're going to say to somebody. So with that cushion, kind of showing empathy to you, if you like, you're going to be far more willing now and far more relaxed for when I do come back and start to give you the response. So I'm going to say that. I'm going to cushion. I'm going to let that sink in. You go, oh, it's interesting. I thought he'd argue back with me as a salesperson. Okay. He's taking me seriously. So what I should have told you was, or what I, the extra information I probably should share, I can then go in and give the answer. Yeah, exactly. So just getting the mindset right, and then just your language patterns to make sure that you are still in that discussion to be able to to do your job properly, if you want to, if you want to put it that way. Lang- language is so important, isn't it? So yeah, important. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad you uh, picked me up on my use of objection and not concern. I'll make sure I use concern in future. It's much better, much better choice of words. Good. There you go. See, action point. Get it written down. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. We're not in the trading room anymore. Well, yeah, we are, yeah absolutely. We are, That's the whole point. Hey, come it? on. I still write proposals. I still write proposals. What? I don't even know what the other terminology was for proposals that we shouldn't I'm, use. What is it? I'm not going to tell you. You should use I'll it. quote. That's no, it. There, yeah. we, there we, uh, I think I might. I, I do tend to have a soapbox around that area. <laughs> Go on. Soapbox that. moment. Come on, Fred. Oh, what have it. you done? What have you done to poor <laughs> listeners? Tell I've got Fred out the box. I'll skip forward two minutes. No, it's the difference between a quote and a proposal. You know, so quote, well, there you go, that's your price. Okay, well, it's not really telling me why I should buy. It's not giving me the reasons. It's not showing that you understood me. It's not kind of giving me all the elements as to why I should invest this amount of money with you. You just give me a number. And guess what? If you're the more expensive than anybody else, I'll go and look for somebody cheaper. And then you'll tell me, yeah, but it's not the same. Well, you didn't tell me that. So no, I'm, not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. <laughs> okay, fine. But genuinely, genuinely, what, a new genre of podcast called Soapbox. <laughs> one, one of my um, a service we offer, Driver CPC. One of the first things that people will ask, particularly drivers, is how much me, how much for your Driver CPC. And I'm like, if that's your only determining factor on what's going to make a purchasing decision for you, we're not the right training centre for you. Sometimes, sometimes I have the balls to say that. If we're having a bad month, sometimes I don't know. And I'm like, uh, yeah, we've got a special offer on this month, mate. <laughs> how that's very honest, no, it's very honest. But, but if you're in the discipline of normally thinking hang on a minute just because you're talking to me 
is it really an opportunity? Because if we're going down that route, it's not going to be me because you're not seeing all the added value of the stuff that we offer. So again, I'm, you know, we, we had a bit of a chat a bit about it, didn't we, as to how you're offering stuff and what other people are offering. And, you know, it's it, it's not the same. You, you can't compare apples and apples. It's apples and pears. It's apples and grapefruits, apples and whatever. But you've got to explain that back. And certainly as we see more and more people getting involved in the decision, mm. which is only going to increase in the current climate. I mean, it's increasing anyway. The person you talk to probably actually isn't going to say yay or nay. They're going to use that information to go to somebody else. And we've got to give them that stuff to be able to pass that on to, to show that we are different. And actually there's the value. And that's why I want to spend a bit more because I'm going to get a look. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's quite hard when some people are very commoditized around around what we do and particularly in the sector that i operate in in transport for example it's always pounds and pence per mile and um and 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 those challenges but one of the things that i hark on about actually sort of goes back to that that value-based approach which is where do you differentiate yourself where are you differentiating yourself from your competitors and how can you squeeze your margin a little bit more because of the quality you offer and and the element of partnering that you offer as well and the reliability those, those elements of reliability the credibility of delivering a fantastic job absolutely and you know God, i'm just realizing now <laughs> i don't know if it's because you've made me very aware of so a lot of the, the phrases that i use but another one and i think this is down to a colleague actually that i heard once and i will recycle stuff with you know if i think it's good being different isn't a differentiator yeah. so you might say look we do all this stuff differently and if i'm like i don't care mate <laughs> makes no difference to me that isn't so you've got to really pick the stuff that yes it's different and somebody cares that will then become your differentiator just say yeah but we all we do all our training wearing red jackets okay that's different but i don't care if you do it red blue green or pink you know it's not yeah. a big deal definitely um, it's, it's got a matter and have impact it's got a matter of course it does doesn't it? then yeah. it becomes your difference so that's what you've got to get an understanding understanding target market and working out how can i add that stuff in to make it attractive but then not completely bust my own cost base. <laughs> Look at it. Fred bringing the value today. Brilliant. Perfect, mate. Know. So Quite talk to me a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Self-disclosure and impact, which is uh, the third area of, uh, of PQ. Or, or self-disclosure and feedback. Self-disclosure and feedback. So th- this, this is an important part in the, to be, be a good partner, you've got to understand, we've talked about this kind of, you know, what the other party wants, but equally they've got to understand what you want as well. So this whole part of self-disclosure and feedback, it's about constantly exchanging what we're thinking, what we're feeling about how that relationship is. Now, this is quite a big one for, again, let me put my sales trainer hat on. It's a big one for salespeople because quite often they'll go and they'll get feedback from the customer. You know, how are we doing? Let's have a review meeting. Tell us what we can do better. All that good stuff, which again, I've got no problem with, you know, positively encourage. But sometimes they won't feel confident enough to say, well, actually, this is what we need from you. This is a self-disclosure, but, you know, what you're doing isn't right. You know, it's not helping us to help you. It isn't sort of fair in the way the relationship had been originally set up, but they'll sit and absorb it all. And what we're saying, you know, for a, for a partnership, and, you know, this stuff goes way beyond sales and business even, you know, you've got to have those honest, open discussions as to, you know, I'm, I'm not getting it here sort of thing. I... I you, know, you need to know that this isn't right for me at the moment because if I don't and if it, that festers, then potentially that's when the, the whole thing's going to fall down. That's quite, you know, go back to sales world, that's quite an eye-opener for salespeople saying, well, we go back to our customers and say they're not behaving right. And potentially, yes, because we've talked about setting up this sort of collaborative, this in it together, this win-win approach. But if, you know, it takes two to tango, if you like. So we've, we've got to make sure we, we keep that dialogue going. 100%. One of, one of the things that resonates with me in this section from, from actually the, the training we had and when I was going on and selling selling vehicles, I, um, I remember you saying it was around look for when people use language, which is picturing them in the situation when they're purchased. So I, I actually got very excited one time. In fact, I didn't. A year I ended up making a sale and um, it was uh, someone said when I received the vehicle and I'm driving it or something like that or when I'm driving it and it was the physical they were thinking about actually driving it I was like yeah I'm there yeah. Fred told me this had happened <laughs> yeah that's buying signals what, 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 what you were doing there is you know they probably weren't but well, they weren't consciously doing it I guess but they were kind of giving you that feedback that yeah you're hitting the right notes here yeah um, so yeah sometimes 
this this self-disclosure feedback piece can be a very deliberate conscious and managed way of working so you know let's set up regular review meetings where we properly discuss about what value are we giving you what are we getting etc etc or it's those more subtle bits where yeah i'm doing the right thing and this is what the guy is saying to me in the yeah he's giving me that feedback that yeah he, he likes what i'm saying here but in that case we call that buying signal <laughs> yeah got you got you'll be aware of it be, be tuned into that yeah, so that's almost like uh, taking a bit more of a key account manager role um, rather than than just a, a sort of a sales role. It's sort of an ongoing an ongoing process where you have review meetings to sit down regularly to to discuss how things are going from a partnership point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And for another so many soapbox, I didn't really, like, I didn't know I got so many soapboxes. But another one, maybe I, I just is, trigger you, Fred. It's fine. It could be that. Have you have you been ringing around all the people I've worked with recently? So what what stuff does he get all excited about? You about loads. <laughs> no, so with this, and in some industries more than others, you know, I do quite a lot in the IT sector. Uh, but equally, if you know, again vehicles where you talk about sort of contract management and the rest of it, lots of people have QBRs, quarterly business reviews. And are there a waste of time? <laughs> is what I say. Okay. And everyone looks at me, a bit like you looked at me then, going, what? Hey, how can that be? Well, so because what you'll probably do in your QBR is go in and say, look, here's all the SLAs and look at how we performed against them. We've said that we'd fix this 98% on time. We did 98.5. You wait for me to go, oh, that's fantastic, Peter. That's brilliant. <laughs> did what you said you were going to do. There doesn't, there's no value for it. I'm not saying you don't do it. And I'm not saying you don't share the information. But there's far better use for our time say look here's a bunch of stats here's some stuff i'll send them you let's have a look at it you know i've traffic like them they're all green done a good job but i want to use this time to really think about the value what we are taking from this relationship both of us yeah let's start with you fred how do you feel you're getting value from us what could we do better where could we build that more but equally i am going to say stuff back to you as well yeah. where i think you we need to operate that is a far more grown-up and sort of more valuable meeting than just going through a bunch of facts and figures so yeah, okay. things have their place but so i just say if you look just swap it qbr to qvr quarterly value review let's look at this and we deliberately sit down and say you know, how much value is this relationship bringing and where can we do more? Yeah. And you know, what, what also sales teams is these things should be positioned as very important. So indicate that you're taking senior people from your side in, as in this is how important we take it. We've got the sales director. They want to sit on it. They want to hear that, you know, what we're doing and is there any stuff that we need to do to make it better? And they want to hear it so they can make the decision fast to do that. You know, so again, that's more a corporate thing, you know, business managers, business owners, they can very much become part of this. Yeah. Or, you know, that's as you or I might do position. Now, this is what we'll do. You know, when part of the projects we're involved with, we will sit down and we'll have these discussions. It's not a sales discussion necessarily. That's probably better if it's not. It's focusing in on value of the relationship. It's just going yep. a different different way altogether. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's sort of uh, moving from a task-focused approach to an outcome-focused approach. What is yeah. what, what what is actually happening in reality? Perfect. Okay, which, which I suppose leads us nicely on to uh, future orientation. Oh, it's like somebody thought this through, isn't it? Isn't it, right? <laughs> no, it wasn't it me, is. by the way. If anyone's listening thinking, oh, Pete's organised this well, this wasn't me. Fred, it wasn't me. Fred I, is, Fred's done very well here. <laughs> I saw it, saw these elements, could see what sense they make. Um, I think originally Steve Dent, who, who really was the sort of guy who did so much research into this, presents it in slightly different order. For me, it makes sense in the story that we're kind of telling here to move along like this. Perfect, yeah. So if that's where we, we, you know, we're thinking about where we can build value, well, okay, where are we going with this? You know, how are we going to do stuff around that? Um, and, and a lot of this part is to do with decision-making and be really kind of conscious, if you like, and deliberate about how those decisions are made. And almost like check ourselves on whether we're making decisions based in sort of past or are we honestly looking at the future? Oh, that stuff won't work. Well, why? Well, it didn't beforehand. Yeah, but time is different now. I mean, th this is a massive one for the current environment, isn't it? <laughs> you know, a lot of the past sort of things, well, okay, they're almost kind of irrelevant now. Um, not, not irrelevant, it's probably the wrong word, but really thinking about we can spend so much time and effort focusing and dwelling on all the stuff that's gone before, but really, wouldn't we be better thinking, this is where we want to be, this is what we're aspiring to, this is the goal, this is the vision. How can we then make sure all the things that we're doing 
are leading towards that. So visions and future scoping and thinking like that is it's such an important part. Yeah, 100%. Um, Starting with the end in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, the stuff isn't massively new. Stephen Covey, begin with the end in mind. You know, think that's where we want to be, and then we can we can work this stuff back. Um, and so again, it's it's another thing that we can get salespeople thinking about as to how can they how can they bring value to the customer, not just in not just in the product, the service, the stuff they're selling, but in the way they help the customer think. Mm. I mean, yeah. now we're really talking sort of very sophisticated way of selling where it's taking the conversation, it's taking the focus, it's getting people thinking a certain way because actually that's where the value is going to be. Yeah. Yes, it's nice that actually our products and the stuff that we're involved with will help you with that. But really it's kind of, whoa, this is great having conversations with this guy because whenever he comes in here, he really gets us fixed on where we can go with stuff. Yeah, um, so it, yeah, again, it's another important part you know, of the partnering skills that we can see what's going to happen in the future and, and kind of make make decisions based better around that, you know, what the needs are going to be, the wants to achieve that, than, well, this is the way we always did it type thing. Yeah, got you. There's quite a consultative approach there, isn't there, around going in and saying this is this is what your future reality could be like and I can help you, you know, I can help you achieve that. It was, um, it was interesting for me this week, actually. I shan't, uh, based on the equation earlier and one of them being the safety and people trusting me, I'm not going to say who it is, right? Good call, mate. <laughs> I'm going to be very, very careful. And I'm really going to consider that, actually, because you make a fair point. When you've got, it's very easy when you record a podcast um, and, and we're in this situation where we're, we feel like we're just having a conversation. And I learned it very early on when I was recording, um, when I was recording the podcast, is you can fall into that trap of it's just us having a conversation without realizing that it's going out on the, on, on the big domain and it's out there and it's public. And I don't think, you know, as far as I'm aware, I won't have upset anyone I know by, by some of the things I've said, but I have listened back and gone, I got very close there, got very close. And I can sort of feel the comfort. The person knows if they listen, they know that it's them I'm talking about but no one else will know and hopefully that'll be okay but it's interesting isn't it because actually i'm comfortable with that but maybe actually are they so it that's resonated and because it's something i'd already been thinking about but anyway by the by the by uh, you're just trying to get us all to listen to the whole back catalogue absolutely very clever clever indeed You know what? I like what great, it. What a great shout. Yeah. It, go, <laughs> go back and listen, listen to my errors, <laughs> listen to shopping people in for their previous misconduct. Uh, yeah, no. So um, a company I've been working with uh, recently uh, with some mental health training, We've been working with several, so no one's going to know who it is. Um, but they had a sales team and I was absolutely shocked actually. when I was like, we were talking about mental health and the impact of, goals and targets um and particularly in a time like this when we've got a particular challenge and they're like well we don't really have any and i was like what say what <laughs> i was absolutely shocked so you you guys are absolutely fine you've got no men- you're not gonna have any mental health issues because you've got no targets to hit it's like okay do you not even set yourself personal outcomes no no not really mm. Doesn't not having something to aim at leave them a little bit kind of listless and without focus and no purpose and disengaged? And I'd have thought, but hey, that's not mine. Hey, what do we know, right? <laughs> what do we know? Right, so maybe we need to change them. Maybe we need to go in and change them. And we'll talk about comfort with change, Fred, as our next area. <laughs> yeah no again and, and it all it, it does all it does all fit in you know so this is where we want to be in the future this is what's going to happen this is how we're going to work together oh well that's not like it was no <laughs> because we have a future orientation ah so we're going to have to do stuff differently yes you know and you know certainly i mean again the, the timing of this conversation you know the comfort with change thing people are becoming a little more comfortable with the environment we're operating in but you know, it's there are still people that that are resisting. You know, no, it's not happening. It's not real. Not not a real thing. COVID doesn't exist. Yeah, everything's going to be okay. Or it's just a sort of flash in the pan, and we're we'll back to the old normal. That kind of thing. That's what I call a resistor. Other people will say, "Yeah, I, I can see that. I need to adapt to this. We're going to have to start to do things differently." And again, that's you know, it's a thinking style and something that if we recognize that that's what someone's style is we can work with them in a certain way and some people initiate it yeah some people love change some people are like oh this is glass half full this is 
I don't think anyone would say COVID's brilliant, but um, but you know the the need to change is fantastic because it gives us an opportunity. So it's just thinking change in general, you know, and they jump on it. And then sometimes I actually need to hold these guys back a little bit because they're going to charge it off into the future. But um, but yeah, it's it's thinking that you know change is constant anyway. Despite you know we'll have other big things which impact massively. So we just need to think about you know how can we manage that? How can we get the balance right? How can we work with people? And again, let me come back into my world of sales. How can we work with customers where potentially they are a bit more resistant or you know need some help with with adapting, which is going to be different to the guys who are like, oh, yeah, we love this stuff. Let's you know, fly, off, fly off into the future. So, again, it's just understanding. And, and a lot of this stuff is about that conscious competence that we will have spoken about, I'm sure, on um, <laughs> on the training back in the day as to what am I like at this? What's my own way of, of adapting or, or, or dealing with change? Mm. And so then, you know, am I in a decent position to be able to help other people with this? Yeah, definitely. And one, one thing, one thing when I looked at this, I wanted to, to, to try and sort of discuss a bit, bit deeper because this, this could be, or, or when I learned it, certainly when, when I got shown it, it was life changing for me. And hopefully we can give people that eureka moment as well. But little reality check, not everyone thinks and behaves the way you do and don't they don't make decisions the way you do and that was a massive game changer for me when I realized that that you know people don't think the same way as I do they don't make decisions the same way and sometimes it's our job to have be comfortable to make that change to support them to reach the right decision by using different strategies to to support that decision making dead right you know when when people do get that it is a eureka moment it's a big big moment and there's lots of different ways in which you know we can help people do that by understanding personality styles profiles thinking about you know change style resistor adapter um or initiator again there's just lots of things that people have a different map of the world they see stuff differently they think differently and like you said you can you can do a couple of things here if they're looking at the world from one side and you're looking at it from another you can go and you can try and drag them around to your side that's hard work Mm -hmm. because people won't want to do that however it's far easier if you sort of walk around and start looking from their side and then work in that way it just it just makes far more sense and if that means that yeah you're going to change your style a little bit you're going to um communicate in a way which just sits better with them that they feel more comfortable with that takes into account that way of thinking mm. life becomes so much easier it, it is it's a big big eureka big big aha moment for folk yeah big time. which is why you know we, we will often try and include that kind of thinking using whichever model um models to to open up people's minds and to become more, you know, said it before, consciously competent in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that's sort of, I, I, be, I believe that's in a nutshell, in a in the most simplest form. That's that's almost partnering as it is because I, I think of that from a leadership point of view with teams of people, yeah. um, and 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 understanding things from their point of view and that they don't think the same way as you. They're in the position they're in and see things from their viewpoint, and you need to get under that. And it's the same from a selling point of view as well. But in both senses, sort of getting getting really comfortable with adapting that style is is so so important. And sometimes, particularly, I feel a little bit apprehensive occasionally because I know, you know, I'll recognise that in other people, and I know that I'm going to find it challenging. But actually, what I have to tell myself is actually I'm in a fortunate position because I can preempt it because I because I'm a little bit or had some enlightenment to that. I know it's going to be a bit challenging for me. I know that someone's particularly data driven. For example, I've registered that. I know it's going to be tough because I'm not, uh, and I need to prepare the facts and figures, and I need to be willing to go really in depth to try and make a decision or, or determine a decision with somebody. But actually, I, I keep telling myself, okay, I'm not so strong at that. But actually, I've got the opportunity, and I've recognised that that's what I need to do. It is behavioural flexibility. It is such a key thing of helping you get to the outcomes you want. You know, it might not be your preferred route. Yeah, okay, I'm big enough, I'm good enough to be able to change that. And yeah. let's say, you know, I'm not a very data-driven person, but if that's what somebody needs, okay, I can, I can flex it yeah. and do it that way. I wouldn't prefer to, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's the right thing to do at that time. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't mean that sometimes we shouldn't challenge people. You know, yes. And that, that, that's, you know, kind of quite say, reasonably current. It's been around for a little bit, the challenger sale, where mm-hmm. saying, actually, no, we're going to have to have a difficult conversation here. We're going to have to have something where I am going to challenge some of your thinking. Yeah, I am going to point out some things, but I'm doing it for your own benefit. Mm. But I'm comfortable enough to do that. And hopefully you recognize that I am doing it with the right intent. But 
you know, it's going to be a tough thing because you're going to start to reflect on things that potentially you could be doing better here. Yeah, it's kind of like that consultative selling and taking it up, taking it up a level. So flex, yes, but not always bend. Sometimes it's no, I am, I am going to push back on this, but deliberately because I'm going to try to open your eyes. Yeah, absolutely. So take, it, taking yeah, a measured approach with it, a, a very measured, is, a strategic approach. It, it is, and it's just it's just making that pick. It's being able to flick between what's the best thing we do here. Do I just roll with it and go that way because actually it doesn't matter. We're going to get to where we need to be, or actually I am going to challenge. I'm going to push back deliberately because I think it's the best thing for this person at this time. So, and, and they will thank me for it later. They might not enjoy the conversation as such. But they'll be they'll, they'll be good with it ultimately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, sometimes they're the most powerful as well, aren't they? You know, when when yeah. you really when you're really stretching and and being stretched, you know, they're they're often the ones that uh, that, that resonate the longest. Um, okay, so finally, comfort with interdependence. Explain that a little yeah. bit more, please, Fred. Yeah. Well, again, you think about it. It's it, it's collaboration. You know, and, and I think this is for salespeople is quite a biggie because they're often quite independent operators. Well, they think they are. They're actually usually part of a large organization who wouldn't want them to think as such. But what we're saying is that if we're taking this this partnering stuff seriously, you know, we've got these this, this future orientation towards shared goals, win-win outcome. A lot of my success, a lot of what I want is going to be dependent on you. You doing the stuff that you say and, and me giving you some of that control. I can't do everything myself. You know, that, that's the whole kind of definition, if you like, that it's not just all down to me or all down to you. It's the fact that we're coming together to do that. So I've got to be comfortable that, you know, some of my success or my outcomes are going to be based on you doing the thing that, that, that you say, if you like, or your organization or your department or whichever way you want to look at that. And it, it's just something that we've got to live with. We're yeah, not absolutely. kind of in this for ourselves. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, t- taking that sort of one step further into sort of my experience with collaboration and um, since I've become a business owner and working working with other companies is that that has, that has brought me so much partnering or business through partnering than, than, than anything else that I've gone out and won or cold, cold called or, or anything like that because beauty of the collaboration is that anything is sort of pre pre-warmed so to speak it's already you know you're already in a position to be able to take take some action because the the trust element got sort of going full circle back to trust the trust <laughs> element <laughs> you love that i picked that up uh, yeah. for the trust element it, it's already there isn't it you know it's already there could you see what i just written <laughs> no well. i'd literally written trust yeah it does come back because to be properly interdependent i'm going to have to trust you to do stuff and and, and your example is a, is a brilliant one you know it could be that you know simplistic terms okay i've got some of my clients people i work with a bit possessive but whatever but they need the training that you're going to do i've got to trust you to be able to do that you will become interdependent on delivering this this success for this this other party you know so yeah it, it does come back to trust yeah trust underpins all of them trust absolutely underpins all which is why we, we we talked about it first why i will always talk about that one first and so use the trust equation and sometimes break it down into into other ways to really get people to think about are they trustable mm. which was a deliberate word yeah <laughs> didn't say trustworthy trustable able as in can you trust people can people put trust in you yeah yes. so that's why i sort of have a bit of a bit of a play with the, the english language on that absolutely and listeners will have to listen to the fullback catalog to find out if i'm trustworthy or not <laughs> i've started i've created a monster here gonna... you absolutely have 100 percent. i love it i love it i'm just gonna drop, people... a, drop a little truth bomb every now and again most people plug future shows but you know whatever you keep your past orientation peter and forget that we five minutes ago we're talking about looking towards the future being the way forward <laughs> beautiful well whilst we talk about the future whilst we talk about the future talk to us a bit more about how to find you how people can link up and obviously give the book a plug because that's coming in the future yeah no thank you i really appreciate the, the opportunity well yeah people can find me on linkedin that's a very popular popular platform fred copestake I, I think there is only one of me um, it's, it's a bit of a weird weird surname um so yeah you'll certainly find me on that as part of the book promotion you will also find me on facebook 
and Instagram. YouTube is to come. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm sort of looking at expanding all those all those different different areas. But yeah, LinkedIn is is the main one because clearly you can um, message me on that, and it will have links to both my business website and more specifically for what we're talking about here, the, the book website. There's a separate there's a separate thing there. Currently in development on that is a sort of self audit, a little diagnostic thing which people can take. Um, so ask some questions that will give you a kind of a you know how do you score if you like on these on these various elements and when we send that back you get a you will get it's still it's being being put together as we speak you'll get a kind of not only your scores and sort of visual what that looks like uh, some some reflection questions on you know what what can you do about it because you know, that's that's the whole point so yeah i guess they're the the, the best ways to best ways to uh, to contact me they're all in the back of the book which hopefully people will buy <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> come, come september when it's launched um yeah if, you, <laughs> if you're on any of those platforms hopefully you'll see the fact that it's uh, that it's been launched because i am i'm going to ramp stuff up a little bit so good for you man. No. <laughs> knowing what i'm like i'll have given most of the stuff in the book away by the time we come to launch it so just you know connect with my linkedin you've effectively read it <laughs> not at all not at all i think uh, i think it's going to be a fantastic book i think um, i can see uh, how much of an evolution it is from sort of previous previous types of selling and how how it's absolutely uh, a great solution and i'd recommend anyone listening to follow fred on linkedin because it lightens up my day seeing his sarcastic posts where there's just a total disdain for the general atrocity that is linkedin and yeah i'm going to call it out because there is some atrocious stuff on linkedin of self-promotion and what have you and uh if there's anyone that's anti-linkedin fred's your man oh that's got me banned from that cheers mate (laughs) (laughs) i'm trying to control myself a little bit but sometimes i just do get frustrated with with stuff on there and the amount of daftness but there is some good there is some good stuff as well that's absolutely that's absolutely yeah no I, sorry i didn't i didn't mean to tarnish your label you there fred apologies <laughs> but I, I did i did want to encourage people because i think no, it's, no, it's, you're well worth a follow mate they'll 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 probably see that <laughs> the little moments you're referring to i don't think i'll be able to cut them out completely <laughs> absolutely brilliant right with that thank you very much for joining me fred you've been absolutely fantastic and uh, i really look forward to reading your book when it comes out i'll certainly be buying a copy i may be buying a couple and i'll do a giveaway on the podcast and i'll get you to sign them as well for when you're simon cynic famous and uh, and i look forward to hearing your podcast when that comes out eventually too yeah, that's also development. So, no, look, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, it was good fun. Um, Brilliant. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, definitely have you back onto mine. <laughs> <laughs> he had to think about then, didn't he, listeners? Did you hear that little bit of hesitation? I look forward to <laughs> joining him on his. I'm going to push it now. Uh, no, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, have fingers you crossed. <laughs> <laughs> catch you, uh, catch everyone next week. Thanks for listening and, uh, and speak. see you again soon. I really hope you loved today's episode and if you did please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business Flagship Partners and we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.